I recently came upon a book written by a man named Barry Schwartz. Schwartz is a psychologist who teaches at Swarthmore College. Uh, but the title of the book, and you may, you may be aware of this book, it's been out for a number of years, but it's called The Paradox of Choice. And the subtitle is, Why More is Less. Now in this book, uh, Schwartz observes the, observes the fact that we are a culture uh, in which we are bombarded with choices. You know, every day we make hundreds, if not thousands, of choices. And he talks about the fact that this is kind of unique in human history, the amount of choices we make every day. And he argues that this is uh, not an accident, that this is very deliberate. And that's because the official dogma of the Western world is that human happiness is maximized when we maximize the number of choices. And Schwartz argues in the book that this is just accepted. It's not really questioned. And that's because choices represent freedom. And we believe freedom is a good in itself. And also we believe, and I think this is largely true, that when we make choices for ourselves, we can maximize our own happiness versus other people making those choices for us. Now, in the book, he gives some, some examples of, of all the choices uh, we make in a day. He talks of a, a visit to the grocery store, and he goes to try to pick out a salad dressing. And he says there are 175 different types of salad dressing to choose from. Goes to get some cookies, 275 types of cookies, and then iced tea, 75 varieties. Lots of choices. He gives the example of on-demand entertainment. Turn on the TV, endless options and choices. Or work. He talks about how we now have the capability to work almost anywhere because of technology, and this was only accelerated because of the pandemic. But now, when you're sitting at your kid's soccer game, you have to decide, well, should I check my work email? Should I answer this work call? And even if you say no, you're still having to make that choice. Now, one of his big points in the book, uh, and this gets to the subtitle, Why More is Less, is he argues that in this culture in which we are being bombarded uh, with these choices, he argues that many of us become overwhelmed, if not paralyzed. And that because of this, we often don't recognize the choices that really matter. They get, they get lost amongst all these other choices. And therefore, we fail to make these important choices, the choices that really lead to our happiness. He says we don't know as a culture how to discern and make the choices that matter. Now, I talk about this book and about this idea of choices because Joshua 24 is a chapter all about choices. Joshua, he's the leader of Israel. If we remember, Joshua follows after Moses. And as their leader, Joshua is about to send the people into the promised land. The people have come out of Egypt. 
They have spent many years in the wilderness. They have now conquered the promised land. That's a lot of what the book of Joshua is about. But now it's conquered, and they're about to go into this land, this land of plenty, this land of abundance. This is this big moment for them. But before they enter, Joshua gathers the people, and he says to them, choose. This is what we read. Joshua says, Now therefore, revere the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your ancestors served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. Now if you are unwilling to serve the Lord, choose this day, not tomorrow, not the next day, but choose right now whom you will serve. Joshua calls them to choose what and who they will serve. You see, Joshua knows that this this land of promise that they're about to enter into, it is also a land of seduction in which critical choices are going to have to be made. The land is so rich, it's so fruitful, that they're not going to be as dependent on God as they were in the wilderness. They're going into a land that has the equivalent of 175 types of salad dressing. And in that type of land, that abundant land, he knows that they might easily forget about the God who brought them there. There was a study that came out a number of years ago called the National Study of Youth and Religion. came out of Notre Dame. And at the time, and this this actually still may be true, but at the time, it was the largest study ever conducted of American youth and their religious experience. And what they did in this study is they took children and they followed them from their teenage years into young adulthood. They called them on a regular basis and they would talk to them about their experience of religion. Now, they learned all sorts of, of interesting things in this study, But one of the things they discovered is that children raised in the church, as young adults, they were generally very positive about Christianity. Overall, they found that these young adults had had a a good experience in the church. So they're very positive about the faith. They think highly of the gospel and of Jesus. And yet, and this is what surprised them, they found that these same young adults were very apathetic about practicing the faith, about being a Christian, about claiming this truth for themselves. So again, the findings argue that the young adults, they respect the Christian faith, they're even drawn to it, but they have not made a deliberate choice to identify themselves with it. And they talk about the fact that there is no outright rejection Very few of these young adults have rejected the faith. And yet at the same time, there is no outright choice. Now I'm I'm fascinated by this this, um, study and what they found because I think it captures not just a tendency for youth, but for us, all of us in the American church. And that is, the danger for us is not rejecting God. We're in church. We're not going to reject God. No, the danger for us is we are going to fail 
to choose him. We might approach him, we might seek him at times, but to actually uh, intentionally and deliberately choose him, to define our lives around him, that choice often does not get made. You know, the truth is, I think this happens not just in our relationship with God, but it happens in all of our relationships. Uh, One place that you often see it is in, in marriage. It's not uncommon for a couple to come see me for counseling. And what they say is that they've been married for many years, you know, 20, 25, 30 years, but they have discovered that they've grown apart. And they don't know why. They just know that they don't have anything in common anymore. And often this happens, I think we've all seen it, uh, happens when children leave the house. And the children are, is that last thing are the last things that kind of hold them together. Now, in these situations, I can, I can tell you what has happened. They have not rejected the marriage. That's not the problem. They have not rejected their spouse. No, the problem is they have not chosen the marriage. Day in, day out, they have not chosen it. They have not chosen to invest in the marriage. They have not chosen to spend time with one another intentionally. They have not chosen to share and be vulnerable with one another. All those other choices, all those other priorities, they've been distracted by them. And so after years of this, there is no real relationship left. And again, that happens with God, especially in the American church. We don't reject God, we just fail to choose him. Now, going back to our reading, when Joshua presents this um, call, this summons to the people, they respond positively. They say to Joshua, we will serve the Lord. And you might expect Joshua to respond positively, right, to affirm that choice. Great job, guys. That's a good decision. But that's not what he says. What he says is, strikes us, I think, as a little strange. They say, we're going to serve the Lord. And Joshua says this, and this was in our reading. You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm. And the people say to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said back to the people, You are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. They say we are witnesses. And then the last thing Joshua says is, Then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. So a few things to share here quickly and I'll wrap up. First, I think Joshua is well aware, as we are aware, that it's easy to say you're going to do something. It's harder to actually do it. So I think Joshua here is is pushing them past a superficial answer. But second, Joshua realizes quite rightly that they're going to fail. Right? They're going to choose God today, but they're going to go into this land and they're going to get distracted. And that's true of us as well. We might choose God today, But tomorrow, we might choose something else. 
You know, part of what we do every Sunday is we come before God, we ask for his forgiveness for serving other things than him, and we recommit ourselves to him. We do this in corporate worship. Joshua says that we are not forgiven. Jesus tells us otherwise. He says we are. We are forgiven when we do this. But then the third thing to see with this response is what Joshua says at the end. When the people reaffirm the choice for a second time, Joshua says, okay, well then this is what you need to do. He says, put away the false gods that are among you and incline your heart to God. For Joshua, the act of choosing God is the act of turning away from false gods. You can't choose God unless you turn away from your other gods. You see, the central concern of this passage is the idolatry of the Israelites. They assumed that they could serve the Lord and serve other gods at the same time. They thought they didn't have to make a choice. But Joshua says, no, you must choose. And we're like the Israelites. We also have our gods. They're a little more subtle. We may not bow down and kneel and worship to them, but they do keep us under their power. The God of beauty, the God of achievement, the God of youth, the God of money, of power. These things that we put at the center of our lives because we think they will give us significance and security, safety and fulfillment. These gods have to, as Joshua says, be put away if we're going to choose the Lord. You know, when you read the Scriptures, you do encounter a sense of urgency. There is a call to realize the choices that you're making. Joshua here says, choose God, choose life. Moses says the same thing. The prophets call us to choose in Jesus Well, he puts it this way. He says there are two paths. One path is wide and it leads to destruction. The other is narrow and it leads to life. It leads to wholeness, to community, to healing. And Jesus says, choose. Because it's not God who chooses, it's us. The whole message of the gospel is that God wants us. He waits for us. The gospel proclaims that God has already chosen us in Jesus. But we have to reciprocate. We have to respond back. And this choice, it has radical implications for the way we live. Radical implications for our passions, our loyalties, about how we share ourselves and the things we have with others. Jesus says, you can't have one foot in and one foot out. You must choose. And so today, as we go through our day, I encourage you to think about all the choices you're making. Hundreds, if not thousands, of little choices. And then to consider the choice that really matters, that Joshua speaks about the choice of whom or what 
you're going to serve in your life. Amen.